All right, you ready? Yep. Coming to you from deep inside our lofty, heavily fortified bunker, located somewhere in the heart of Middle Earth, the show that doesn't shy away from tough questions or tough answers. Sit back, turn on your brain, and get ready for truth. It's a dirty job, but hey, somebody has to do it. Well, back, back again, live in studio, live, live to tape in studio <laughs> with with our friend David. I'm Alan. He's David. This is the David Allen Show. Ooh, that's welcome quite, back. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, it's good to, it's good to see you in person. Again. Yeah, it's been a little while. It has. How long? Well, I don't know. We get, uh, this is prep weeks? that we probably should do. When did we do the last show? A few weeks. Uh, today Month? being the 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 twenty one. 21st of September, <laughs> 2018, here in the uh, the, the Y Millbank Podcast Studio in Millbank, South Dakota. Oh, the wonderful Y Millbank Wonderful, podcast. indeed. This is high See, we tech. even have like, marketing hung up on the wall now. We got some, yep. we're, we're working that. Yep. Uh, yeah, the last time we were together was August 18, nearly one month ago. Or more than one month ago. Yeah. This is well, unfortunate. So, has anything happened since we talked last? Nothing. <laughs> in, the, in the state of the media and the current events? Oh, isn't it crazy? It's nuts. I. It, the craziest thing to me in all this is how reasonable the be- this is to some people. You know, with the Supreme Court justice and what's going on with that and... um. Just the whole. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just at a certain point you just don't know what to say. Well, but we'll try. <coughs> uh, this from I mean we're we're talking about Judge, uh, what's his name? Kavanaugh. Brett. 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 Kav- Brett Kavanaugh. Kevin Aug. Um. Earlier, this is from September 16, an article written in the Washington Post uh, by a lady named Emma Brown. Earlier this summer, Christine Blasey Ford wrote a confidential letter to a senior Democratic lawmaker alleging uh, that senior Democratic lawmaker is Dianne Feinstein, mm-hmm. the ranking... Uh, let's see, what are they called? She would chair the committee if they were in power, the Democrats. Um, is she the ranking member? Is that what that's called? I, I don't oh, know. Oh, come on, really? Useless. Yep. Anyway, she sent it to a lawmaker alleging that <clears throat> Supreme Court nominee Brett M. Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her more than three decades ago when they were high school students in suburban Maryland. Since Wednesday, she has watched as that bare-bones version of her story became public without her name or her consent, drawing a blanket denial from Kevin Aug and roiling a nomination that just days ago seemed all but certain to succeed. Now, Ford has decided that if her story is going to be told, she wants to be the one to tell it. Now, this was a good five days ago. Things have changed since then. But speaking publicly for the first time, Ford said that one summer in the early 1980s, (laughs) Kavanaugh and a friend, both stumbling drunk, she alleges, corralled her in a bedroom during a gathering of teenagers at a house in Montgomery County. While his friend watched, she said, Kavanaugh pinned her to a bed 
on her back and groped her over her clothes, grinding his body against hers and clumsily attempting to pull off one piece, her one-piece bathing suit, and the clothing she wore over it. When she tried to scream, she said, he put his hand over her mouth. Quote, I thought he might inadvertently kill me. He was trying to attack me and remove my clothing. Uh, now a 51-year-old research psychologist in Northern California. Ford said she was able to escape when Kavanaugh's friend and classmate at Georgetown Preparatory School, Mark Judge, jumped on top of them, sending all three tumbling. Because that doesn't sound odd as a story. Yeah, and he was trying to do something, and his buddy just jumped on top of us. That's kind of a strange end to this what's well, clarence escapade. thomas all over again oh man she said she ran from the room briefly locking herself in a bathroom and then fled the house so that was the 16th then let's see and uh where's the evidence but does it matter no, no because she's a woman and well, but, well therefore... regardless it doesn't matter she is opposing a nomination by Trump. And what we've found lately is that all the left cares about is hating Trump. Yeah. It's all about power. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on September 14, the Heritage Foundation Thomas Jipping, unfortunate name, wrote an article titled The Truth About Democrats' Opposition to Brett Kavanaugh. Now, this would have been before all of the story broke, I believe of uh, this lady. Um, the part that I don't quite understand is Ford, the alleged, or the the alleger, is that what we call her? Yeah. Is she an alleger? Yep. So if she was a ledger, she'd be something you write on. But she's an <laughs> alleger. <laughs> uh, she gave that to Diane Feinstein... Stein, Feinstein. Okay. The D from California. So one of two senators that California, the great state of California, has. Agree to disagree. With the great part? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, she had this in July. Just, just like anything else, they're going to hold it. So is this like the they were holding on to this last ditch effort, hoping that other things would derail? They Cory Booker's like escapade. I'm breaking the Senate rules. Kick me out of the Senate if you don't like it. Ex expel me from the Senate. Or maybe the Republicans will just <laughs> declassify the documents already before your little escapade, Cory Booker. Mm -hmm. He's kind of a joke, but hey, most of them are. Uh, this jipping goes on to say, um, September 20, that's when the Senate Judiciary Committee will likely vote, and this would have been yesterday, today being Friday, yesterday the 20th, um, they would likely vote on the Judge Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination. While only one name will be up for consideration, it will appear as though two different nominees are under discussion. That's because most Democrats planned for the start, from the start to vote against his nominee, no matter who it was. And when the actual nominee turned out to be a so well-qualified and widely respected, uh, they had to create a fictional nominee to oppose. And this fictional Kavanaugh, according to Senator Dianne Feinstein, believes this president cannot be investigated and he cannot be tried. 
The real Kavanaugh has never suggested any such thing. He gave a speech in 08, nearly a decade before this president was elected, suggesting that Congress consider delaying any prosecution or civil suit against any sitting president until after he or she leaves office. As Kavanaugh explained at his confirmation hearing, he was talking about timing, not immunity. The point he said in that 2008 speech is not to put the president above the law or to eliminate checks on the president. What part of the word not in that sentence do Democrats not understand? So that's all prior to this lady. Now, I found on a website called the Cult of the First Amendment. This from Wednesday, September 19. Why Christine Blasey Ford's high school yearbooks were scrubbed. Because the faculty approved racism, binge drinking, and promiscuity. This is a high school. On Monday, September 17, Christine Blasey Ford's high school yearbooks suddenly disappeared from the web. I read them days before. This written by whoever wrote this article. Well, let me see if it's at the bottom. Um, <clears throat> yeah, by the whoever runs this blog. Anyway, on Monday, uh, disappeared from the web. I read them days before, knew they would be scrubbed and saved them. How fortuitous. Why did I know they would be scrubbed? Because if roles were reversed, the Christine Blasey Ford had been nominated for the Supreme Court by Trump. The headline by the resistance would be this. Christine Blasey Ford and the drunken, white, privileged, racist playgirls of Holton Arms. And it would be an accurate headline. That's why the yearbooks have been scrubbed. They are a testament to the incredible power these girls had over their teachers, parents, and the boys of Georgetown Prep, Landon, and other schools in the area. In the pages below, you will see multiple photos and references to binge drinking and the accompanying joy of not being able to remember any of it. This is high school. Now, assuming this is all true... There are pictures, and I'm gonna, through the joy of technology, I'm going to show David these pictures here. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, la let's see. This is page 84, apparently, in the yearbook of her senior year. Her name is Christine Blasey in high school, uh, often referred to as Chrissy. In the image below... Uh, Blasey is pictured at a Halloween party in her junior year. The caption on the right says this. Lastly, one cannot fail to mention the climax of the junior social scene, the party. Striving to extend our ed educational experience beyond the confines of the classroom, we played such intellectually stimulating games as quarters, Mexican dice, and everyone's favorite, pass out. Which usually resulted from the aforementioned two. And so you look at the pictures, and it's what appears to be scans of a yearbook. And uh, as we go through them, here's another page, and they've redacted names, I'm not sure why, and pictures. But as we get farther down the road, 10th um, grade seems to have been a ritual initiation into the Holton party scene. Another sophomore girl threw sophomore girl, through multiple all-night benders, the highlight of which featured a male erotic dancer in a gold G-string. Um, 1982 was a particularly wild year, uh, and 
page 28 they have here, published multiple pictures of minors drinking heavily, beer cans stacked up, liquor repeatedly glorified. Quote, boys, beer, and the zoo atmosphere. The caption on the right said, the right side of the image mocks the faculty and parents. Quote, come on, you're really too young to drink? And if you look at these pictures, again, if this is actually a high school year, it's a prep school, a yearbook, this is insane. Because it shows these kids, I'm assuming, just surrounded in alcohol. I mean, the the weird thing about it is it's celebrated, and then whoever the advisor was for the yearbook let this go through, which is bizarre to me. This from a, a piece of this. The party experience is definitely not to be missed. Few have experienced the joy of waking up to find their house creatively redecorated with bottles, cans, and kids. The bottles and cans even manage to find their way into the front yard and street. Your neighbors will love the new additions as more and more are discovered with the spring thaw. Excuses for having a party can always be found, ranging from the parents being out of town to being accepted into college. Cast parties, after parties, and holiday parties are some of the favorites, but nothing beats prom parties, which begin months before as we friend, friend, frantically search for PPDs, potentially prom or potential prom dates, and continue through the morning, the morning after. As we approach G-Day, graduation parties abound, and then comes the infamous Beach Week, where the supreme challenge is how much partying you can fit into seven days. Who is going to win this year? This, this can't be real. And if it's real, this is outrageous. Oh, I bet it's probably real. So know. this is a... Mm, let's see. But aren't all these pampered kids with very wealthy parents who... Oh, yeah, this is a prep school, and I think it's an all-girl prep school. Yeah. Uh, here's another page. While the parents were out, cast parties, prom parties, post-game parties, pool parties, slumber parties, senior-only parties, junior-only parties, wherever you looked, there were parties. There were parties to celebrate college acceptance, parties to celebrate the rent's absence, parties to celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, Arbor Day, and then there were parties just to plain celebrate. There were party diehards, party newcomers, and, plan and plain partiers. There were parties with munchies, parties with kegs, parties with costumes, and some parties with only people. But all parties had one thing in common, a lot of smiles. <laughs> parties usually began in an incredibly al altruistic person's mind. He figured, he, ooh, that since the parents were out for the month, the what? And nobody had anywhere to go, he would invite a couple intimate friends over for a couple of hours, or until someone ruined the heirloom Persian rug in the living room, whichever came first. However, to his great dismay, the youths from the entire Washington metropolitan area arrived on his doorstep, claiming to be acquaintances of his, of his from his infancy. And since he had no armed guards at his door, he had, to be, he had to let them in. It was going to rain that night, and he didn't feel like cleaning up the toilet paper on his lawn all the next day. With the guests came several cartons of beverages slightly toxic to the human system, and pretty soon his heirloom Persian rug had been ruined by not one but several people. And then from the den he heard his father's carefully tuned woofers and tweeters blasting Def Leppard, and then he witnessed his entire month's supply of food 
being consumed by total strangers. Someone bricked his dog, while another person hurled bottle caps at his mother's portrait on the dining room wall. So what did this poor wretch, whose life expectancy was one month until his parents got home, do? He had a party the next weekend. What else? So his parents left for a month and left him. Yeah. Well. And it sure, I mean, these pictures showing here, they look like the lady. The pictures I've seen of her now, just young. So. Uh, and that looks like 1981, 82. Yeah. Yep. We'll definitely miss the college-bound seniors, especially the antics of blank and blank and blank's parties. Speaking of which, we had several incredible parties of our own. And so this just goes into, well, were the, were the guns real or did we just want to get served first? If true, this is the, the biggest black eye to this school system. And the faculty approve racism at Holton Arms. Another disturbing aspect of these yearbooks is evidence of overt racism therein. I debated long and hard as to whether to include the following pages, but it's important that we closely examine the privileged Holton Arms culture while Christine Blasey was a student there. Seeing such insensitive racism in action at this prestigious girls' academy, attended by mostly white rich girls, provides a context for the very privileged attitude exhibited by the Holton Arms all-female student body. That the Holton girls got these yearbooks approved by faculty and paid for by their parents shows just how powerful they were in their own right at such a young age. Okay, now, now what what is the point of this writer? Is he or she against the Supreme Court justice nominee or for them? I don't, or against uh, the I, accuser? I didn't read anything. I think, from what I can gather, this is strictly a, here's the history of this girl in school, the school that the high school she went to. And this is the one who said in high school, Kavanaugh groped her and assaulted her. Okay. So now Democrats being Democrat, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say it that way. These progressive religious fanatics because their politics is a religion for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they will do everything they can to destroy a person that they disagree with mm-hmm. while looking the other <coughs> way at any inappropriate behavior the person... On their side. Yeah, on their Correct. side. So I can't imagine that this person would be anti-Kavanaugh because this is making her look horrible. Correct. Right, I I would agree with you that this would appear to be showcasing that this lady who's now come out accusing this judge of not good things. But then the blog is called Cult of the First Amendment? Cult of the First, and Cult of the One ST dot blogspot dot com is what it is if you're interested. And if I remember, I will put a link to this in the the show notes or in the, the blog notes of this episode. Okay. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, but that's it's fine. Just... It's yeah. Uh, the way I I read this whole article, and it's it's rather long, um, is just showcasing that this lady, during the time she claimed Kavanaugh was doing stuff to her, was not an upstanding, a fine and upstanding citizen 
at this school. But it also points to the fact that the faculty at this school mm-hmm. is horrible. And to mm-hmm. allow this to happen is outrageous. So my thought is it opens the door for a whole bunch more investigation of that school. What else went on that was absolutely illegal? What other attacks may have happened? Yeah. Yeah. I just found it a little bit intriguing that that was, that's now gone. According to this article, it's gone from the web. So it was, um, the school was called Holton-Arms. I'm going to go look that up. H-O-L-T-O-N-A-R-M-S. Holton-Arms School. So it's Holton-Arms.edu. Uh, It's a college preparatory school for girls grades 3 through 12. Why is a three-year, grade 3, why are they in a college preparatory school? Yeah. Or is that what all school is? College prep. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I always assume that it was just basically high school that's preparing you. Uh, This is a statement from the head of the school, Susanna A. Jones, currently. This came out September 16, 7 p.m. In a recent, and this is from the website, holton-arms.edu, so you can go find it if you will. Uh, In the recent article, the Washington Post describes an alleged assault of one of our alumni, nay, alumnae, uh, by Supreme Court nominee Brett M. Kavanaugh that occurred in the early 80s. While she was a student at Holton Arms, in these cases, it is imperative that all voices are heard. As a school that empowers women to use their voices, we are proud of this alumna for using hers. (laughs) Well, there you have it. So then you now have this other blog that is apparently showing that the school has now removed that yearbook (laughs) from the interweb. What are we hiding here? Mm Mm-hmm. Are we trying not to be able to discredit her? But that that is like on what's happening at Holton. That that um, letter from Suzanne A. Jo- Susanna A. Jones is right there on the top. Mm. You know what? What does it cost to go to the school? The all-girl advantage. Here we go. There is no such thing as a typical Holton girl. We take great pride in the developing in developing each girl's unique gifts and talents, especially if it's drinking and alcoholism. Uh, I added that. A Holton girl <laughs> is anything but typical. We attribute this in large part to the all-girl advantage at Holton. Here, young women of diverse backgrounds can take risks, learn from mistakes, pursue opportunities for leadership, develop confidence, and build lifelong friendships to help them lead lives of positive influence in a supportive environment without fear of social retribution. Single gender education is not merely a matter of separating girls and boys. At a girls' school, it's about making sure girls take center stage while drawing upon what is known about the way they grow and learn. It's not just the classroom, it's the combination of the community, the culture, and the climate girls' schools offer that makes all that makes all girl education such a powerful and transformative experience. Mm-hmm. Ah, tuition. Costs for the 2018-19 school year. 
Let me guess, $28,000. Students in grades 5 through 12 have additional expenses. Keep that in mind. Tuition includes breakfast, snacks, and lunch, not dinner. Keep in mind this is a high school. No, it's not a high school. It's grade 3 through 12. How much did you say? 28. $42,975. <laughs> Up to 5th grade, 4th grade. 5th through 12th, there's more. So are we talking a $50,000 a year school? Gee. Payment of tuition in full by July 1st. Payment of 60% of tuition by July 1 and 40% by July December 1. Or there's a 10-month plan beginning April 1st, and this plan has a $100 processing fee. Oh, boy. At that point, who cares? Yeah. What's 100 bucks? Yeah, really. That's probably someone's socks. Yeah. Oh, oh, we have a financial aid program as well. At, at that at that price, what's... <laughs> Although, have you seen Scent of a Woman, the no, movie? No. You haven't? No. The Al Pacino. <laughs> Sorry. You haven't? <clears throat> no, I have not. Wow. Is it? Do I need to put this on the list with the jerk? <laughs> yeah. Well, that one is... I'm not saying it's unforgivable, but it's... Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's... Yeah. Um, but uh, Scent of the Woman, it's with Chris O'Donnell. It's a kid in a prep school. Mm. One of these wealthy prep okay. schools. Anyways. Now, in 2018-19, the financial aid budget... <laughs> the financial aid budget they've set aside for the 18-19 school year is $4.6 million. This budget supports... <laughs> What's the percentage of students you think it supports? That $4.9 million. Um, 1.2%. Not 22. 22%. Oh. So, it's, what's that? 78% are paying their own way. So, is this where all the elites ship their girls? Is what it be. seems like? It's gotta be. Is that where Obama's girls went? What school did they go to? Uh, hmm. I just... Hmm. I don't know how anybody would look at this and think this is a good thing for kids. I mean, certainly no no person who wants their children to grow up to be kind and sacrificial and it it to me this is just another form of trying to get people and their kids involved in the rat race. I mean, what what's the ultimate goal here? To marry either marry a rich guy or to get into Harvard to make a bunch of money so you can marry a rich guy. I mean, I mean they're not. Hmm. Holton Arms was founded more than a century ago with a progressive vision. Ooh, there we go. There's the P word. A school to encourage independent thinking, inspire intellectual curiosity, and develop a tenacity of purpose. That's, those are reasonable, lofty goals. Yeah. Generations of young women have realized this vision, blazing new paths in every walk of life and leaving a legacy of beloved traditions and the highest standard of excellence wherever they go. 
and this includes apparently in the 80s, binge drinking as a junior high school student. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, that meets one of the three criteria. Blazing new paths? No, what? What? Oh, the one about purpose. Develop a tenacity of purpose? Yeah. Is that, that a tenacity one. of purpose? Yeah. Becoming a drink binge drinker? Yeah, junior high? Taking that charge of all the men? Yeah. All those boys from mm-hmm. the other men, boys school across yep. the hall? That's right. Mm. That's right. All right. I like it, everyone. This is the David Allen Show. Here we are breaking down the, the, the internet truth for you all. Right? <laughs> oh, it's just disturbing. It It's disturbing on so many levels. I mean... And I, I'd like to know how many people really follow the Supreme Court, you know, what's going on with the Supreme Court. Well, you ask all the Democrats on the committee. Now, mm-hmm. I follow it because I'm fascinated by the process. But you ask them, oh, my goodness, if America is watching, we have the entire of the world to stop to watch this nominating process. Really? Are you sure about that? <laughs> I was I was listening to uh, Jim Gaffigan. He was on the, <laughs> the Bill Meyer Mar Mar show. Okay, yeah. And he, they were he's Catholic, and Bill Maher is uh, rabbit atheist. Ra- yes, rabbit is a good word. Um, but Jim Gaffigan, he said he 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 hasn't met. Well, this was in two two thousand sixteen before Trump got elected. Okay. Um, like in the summer, and he said he hasn't, he hadn't met a person who was going to vote for Trump, and Trump won the election, which means now if it was me, I might stop and think, I might be in a little bit of a bubble here, <laughs> just a little bit of bubble with nobody that I know would vote for Trump. I'm either in a little bit of a bubble. Mm-hmm. Or I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a raging control freak that nobody's ever going to tell me something that I don't want them to hear. And either way, that would be one of those things where you should maybe uh, examine yourself a little. Um, but, you know, uh, like I have relatives and others that say the same same sort of thing and i think it's just it's just these groups of bubbles and most of it is in very large communities where you have maybe 60 70% of the people that just think alike and um you know you go you go to either one of the coasts and you get people that just it's it's a huge echo chamber like they would say mm-hmm. And that's not good. No. But there's no thinking beyond. That's a, that's another thing that... Um, does anybody stop and think whether or not this is a good thing for them to um, to take a person's testimony about something that allegedly happened over 30 years ago when you were a teenager in high school that nobody witnessed other than one other person allegedly 
Well, and it sounds like some of the people that she claimed were witnesses have denied the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, I mean, once you even get to that part, I mean, just starting from the point of view, if this was, like, he he didn't rape her, right? No, because the other guy jumped on top of them and they rolled onto the floor, is what she says. Okay, he jumped on him and rolled on the floor. So, so no, the, what it appears like is there was no resolution to the goal. Was uh, Were the other two drunk? She claims it was. She claims <clears throat> that everybody there was drunk except her. Um, well, here we go. This article. So she's assuming intent on his point of view that he was intending on raping her. So this is from the Washington Post. This is the quote. Uh, Ford says, now Ford has decided that if her story is going to be told, she wants to be the one to tell it. Perfect. Wonderful. Speaking publicly for the first time, Ford said that one summer in the early 80s, Kavanaugh and a friend stumbling drunk corralled her in a bedroom during a gathering of teenagers at a house in Montgomery County. While his friend watched, she said, Kavanaugh pinned her to the bed, to a bed, on her back and groped her over her clothes, grinding his body against hers and clumsily attempting to pull off her one-piece bathing suit and the clothing she wore over it. When she tried to scream, she said, he put his hand over her mouth. I thought he might inadvertently kill me. He was trying to attack me and remove my clothing. She said, uh, she said she was able to escape when his friend, a classmate at Georgetown Prep, we need to look that school up as well. Um, Is this the lookout? Mark, jo- I don't think that, I don't, that, that, that's taking it far. Jumped on top of them, which I still find fascinating. Stumbling, sending all three tumbling. She said she then ran from the room. She said she told no one of the incident in any detail until 2012, when she, in couples therapy with her husband, the therapist noted portions of which were provided by Ford and reviewed by the Washington Post. They do not mention Kavanaugh's name, but say she reported that she was attacked by students, quote, from an elitist boys' school, who went on to become, quote, highly respected and high-ranking members of society in Washington, which, if you're in an elite boys' school, that's probably everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I, f- I find this, like, one thing that's really strange here um, that, that highlights the hypocrisy is this was a high school boy who was drunk at a party. Yes. Okay. 30-some years ago. Uh, Teddy Kennedy. Oh, we can't talk about this. Killed a woman. Shh. Are you talking Chappaquiddick? Yeah. Hush. You don't yeah. hear anything. Absolutely. Uh, what's his name? The former. That's enough. We're all done. <laughs> <laughs> House of Representative from uh, Minnesota. Uh, what? Eliason. Ellison. Ellison. Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison. Running for it. attorney general of the state. Yeah, running for the attorney general of the state. Mm-hmm. He uh, beat up a woman. Mm, that's right. And nothing. Mm-hmm. This is a high school kid who was 16, 17-year-old drunk. Allegedly. Allegedly drunk in a bedroom with a woman, no other witnesses. 
and they're saying that he's this disqualified. Is, he's disqualified. Correct. Really, from anything that needs um, um, needs appointment. I mean, I mean, does it does doesn't anybody doesn't anybody think that this is a little outrageous? Notes from an individual therapy session the following year, after 2012, when she was being treated for what she says have been long-term effects of the incident, show Ford described a, quote, rape attempt in her late teens. In an interview, her husband, Russell Ford, said that in the 2012 session, she recounted being trapped in a room with two drunken boys, one of whom pinned her to a bed, molested her, and prevented her from screaming. She said she recalled that his wife used Kavanaugh's last name and voiced concern that Kavanaugh, then a federal judge, might one day be nominated to the Supreme Court. That is utter bullcrap right there. Are you kidding me? What? Six years ago? Oh, I cannot believe that man. He's the judge. He's going to be on the Supreme Court one day. No way. All right. This article, Adam Harris wrote an article 5.16 p.m. Eastern Time today. At the Atlantic, Georgetown Prep's president defends its culture without mentioning Brett Kavanaugh. The president of Georgetown Preparatory School, the elite all-boys private boarding school from which Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court nominee, graduated in 1983, has a message for students, their families, and alumni. Trust us, our school doesn't breed sexual miscreants. Quote, Prep is a wonderful place, a wonderful school, a wonderful community. Uh, Reverend James R. Van Dyke, who became the school's president two months ago, wrote in the letter, which was sent to the campus community on Thursday and posted online Friday, quote, There is no denying that this is a challenging time for a lot of reasons, he said, but it is a wonderful place, a wonderful school, and a wonderful community. I don't say this because I have to, he wrote, but the truth is, he kind of did have to. Why exactly it has been a, quote, challenging time for the school went unspoken in the letter, but but it's obvious. Kavanaugh has been accused of attempting to sexually assault Christine Blasey Ford, a psychologist and professor at Palo Alto University. When the two were in high school, Ford alleges that Kavanaugh, while drunk at a party, cordoned her off in a room, pinned her on a bed, groped her, and put his hand over her mouth to muffle her screams. Mark Judge, a friend of Kavanaugh's, was also in the room, egging him on, Ford alleges. Both Kavanaugh and Judge are Georgetown Prep alumni. Uh, Van Dyke's letter is the first time the school has spoken publicly about the accusations against Kavanaugh, even though it did not reference them explicitly. Instead, Van Dyke framed the letter as a defense of all of all that is good about the institution, the committed faculty, the Christian service program, Special Olympics volunteers, student tutors, and so on, while only obliquely referring to what he is defending it from. The school, he argues, is being caricatured as elitist, privileged, and uncaring. Well, the first two are obviously there. In the wake of the Kavanaugh accusations, alums of such elite private schools have, have called them bastions of misogyny. Researchers have argued they reinforce hyper-masculine culture, and some say they foster darker impulses. 
Jacke in Pauses. <laughs> Van Dyke agrees that Georgetown prep is elite and even privileged, but only in the positive sense of those terms. Not Quote, in the darker sense. <laughs> that we are elite, we cannot deny. Every student who comes here is chosen for his personal potential, regardless of financial need. He wrote that we are privileged, we also cannot deny. Generations of visionary prep alumni and friends have helped to build excellent facilities for classes and for athletics and have underwritten our retreat and service and arts programs. He then drew a line at the assertion that they're entitled or uncaring. Georgetown Prep is one of the most expensive private boarding schools in the country with a price tag of... $50,000. Over $60,000. Over $60,000. For boarding students, yes, the school has scholarships for low-income students. Uh-huh. But it is serving... The hoi But it is serving a heaping helping of an elite clientele as well. Members of that elite group often do not face consequences for their actions in the same way less privileged young people do. As Just Robner recently put it in The Atlantic, quote... Kids who grow up like Kavanaugh, white kids whose parents can afford prep school tuition and presumably the services of a good lawyer, rarely experience prolonged contact with the criminal justice system. But most kids don't grow up like Kavanaugh. Wow. So Georgetown Prep is trying to do cleanup for some reason. Uh, <laughs> what are the odds there's a bigger push... Now, well, of course they are because they're a boys' school, and that that's bad because boys are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I get that, and I get why the women's the girls' school would be awesome because heck, women are better than everyone. So they don't lie, you, right? You, I mean, the future is female, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, screw the males because men are pigs. We don't need them. Yeah. Uh, admissions. Yeah, I'm looking here. Um. Who? Oh, here we go. Georgetown Preparatory School. This gprep.org, gprep.org, if you're interested. Founded in 1789, Georgetown Preparatory School is America's oldest Catholic boarding and day school. Oh, there it is. Catholic school. Uh, Holy crap. What uh, is going on in the Catholic Church right now? Uh, Not good. No. Huh. Well, there you have it. I think we can stop right there. Uh-huh. All right. So, why not? We're going to fill the Supreme Court with elite Catholics. Perfect. But is it Jesuit? Mm. I bet it's Jesuit. How, how do we know? <laughs> Georgetown Prep? <laughs> It's the oldest Catholic boarding and day school for young men in grades 9 through 12 and the only Jesuit boarding school in the country. Oh! Oh, Oh, man! (laughs) You nailed it! Oh, wow. The Jesuit mission and identity. Georgetown Prep is part of a rich heritage of Jesuit education, one that began in 1789 when Archbishop John Carroll, the first bishop of Baltimore, founded his academy on the Potomac. Hmm. See, now that's... This thing needs to get shut down tomorrow. Yeah, really. 
Wow. So the tagline on the website says, Georgetown Preparatory School. We don't kill people anymore. Forming men for others. Since 1789. Forming yeah. men for others? Forming men for others. Oh, that's since creepy. 1789. Oh. Other who? Other priests? Yeah, I say. Wow. If Kavanaugh came from a Jesuit <laughs> school, yeah. Maybe. I hate to say this, but maybe the Democrats are doing God's work. <laughs> <laughs> Get him out. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh. Okay. No wonder this president changed my mind. <laughs> no wonder this like president has to like go out and panic. Yeah, really. Wow. Whew. As a Catholic school, prep helps young men to grow in their faith and understanding of the teachings of the church and to learn to put their faith into action in the service of others. We welcome students of all faiths believing that conscious reflection on one's faith, whatever it may be, leads to spiritual maturity and a commitment to serve others. Mm. Jesuit education centers on the education of the whole person, mind, spirit, and body. This is accomplished through cura personalis, Latin for personalized care mm-hmm. and concern for the individual. I'm sure it is. And through a holistic curriculum. Hands-on curriculum, oh, man. Yeah. They said hands-on. No, oh, no, okay. I, no. What? Oh, okay. Holistic. I, okay. I, I, I opined right. a little bit. There. Yeah. Well, <laughs> improvise, improviser. <laughs> oh, my. Well, uh, there is speculation from Adam Curry that Kavanaugh was never meant to make it through this proceeding. Okay. Uh, that he was brought in to expose the Clintons <laughs> in all the stuff. Because he was a big part of the, um, who's the, I can't remember the guy's name, the guy that shot himself to death. Oh, Vince Foster. In the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was involved in that whole investigation and shutting and getting stuff put away. Huh. And so the theory is, was that in this hearing, stuff comes out. And so this was a backhanded way to possibly get at Hillary. And that he was never meant to actually make it. Yeah, but I don't know if that would make sense because why why bring this stuff up? Well, and but that's why this is all maybe that didn't work out and so now they got to take their this is their third string quarterback they got to bring in. So, and who would be behind bringing him in to get the dirty stuff to light? Oh, Trump. So, if Trump did that, um, if it, it see here's my my presumption, uh-huh. um, is that he made a deal with Hillary to be quiet when he won. She went away way easier than she should have, because you know the claim is well the popular vote was this and there should have been reek it should have been all kinds of stuff, but she quit. Why did she quit? I'm curious if he didn't go, hey lady, go away. I guess we, will, we won't talk about this. But then, if he's not, he's done. He did his part. He kept his word. But man, if the Senate brings up this stuff about you, I'm sorry, I couldn't do anything. So he potentially was mm. waving corn in front of the donkey. I don't know. Yeah, that seems too complicated to it me. It very well could be. It's a fun thing to think about, though. Huh. <clears throat> so, and anyway, his whole point is the Kavanaugh was never meant to actually get there. 
So then, who's the one lurking? That's a good question. It's got, I think it's a female. Oh, oh, and I don't mean that. No, like, right. in, in a you know <laughs> right. negative way. Um, I just yeah, because the next person who comes in, I mean, if he doesn't make it, the next person is probably going to be even more to the left and more I would think you mean that he will the next nominee that he that oh oh yeah and they want to get that done before the election because well, Trump yeah the Trump and the Republicans want to get him in now before that happens in the event they lose the Senate yeah or the House well the Senate yeah. well they got enough they should be able to right Unless a couple of the gutless Well, pukes. yeah, and uh, what's her name? Olivia from Maine. Snow. Uh, <laughs> or whatever her name is. <laughs> what's her name from, is Olympi- it Maine? Uh, what's her name? Uh, she's, she's the one that, yeah. she she has a, a vocal problem. Um, Snow, is she a yeah. Senator Snow? Uh, is that right? I thought that was. Uh, no. Oh, from Maine, isn't she? Um. Susan Collins. She's a. No, yeah. I thought. Olympia Snow. Oh, okay. Susan Collins is like the. She's always on the board or the edge. Her and the one from Alaska. What's her name? <coughs> hmm. But those are the two they have to get. And then, because McCain was a problem, and he's no longer a problem. But (laughs) I don't know who was the problem. Now I'm not sure. Oh, I tell you. It's it's madness. Did you find it strange that there was so much, like, like, public love and affection for McCain for so long? Yeah. Why do you think that was? Uh, I think he was, I don't know, part of the deep state. Henry Kissinger spoke at his funeral, mm. right? I mean, he's no, the... It's long. He's, A bunch of people did. Yeah, I mean, but Henry Kissinger, I mean, he's... Is he the deep state? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's he's the Republican faction of the deep state, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, McCain, I... Ugh. I mean, the number of times that he stabbed the Republicans in the back. Is- oh yeah, I think I think the term "rhino" was coined because of him. Yeah. I, that yeah. You know, if you think about it, we've been as a, you know a republic what two hundred and forty years or so, and think back. You know, in the Bible, um, how long, I mean, we could be, we could be gone as an empire in 20 or 30 years easily. Mm -hmm. And even though it seems like a long period of time in perspective to other kingdoms and everything, we're, we're a blip. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I see all the. I was talking to my brother, and he lives in Omaha, and he was t- 
telling me about um, his kids in school. Uh, the number of kids that are, in, and we're talking eighth grade, are transitioning and, ha- you know, are lesbians mm-hmm. with a girlfriend and gay with, you know. I mean, it's, I can't even, I can't even think of a period that was a comparative in comparison to this, mm-hmm. how it's a wholesale jettison of common sense. Yeah. I mean, of any type of common sense, of any type of actual, I, I don't know, I don't know what you say. I don't, what do you say to a person who thinks it's reasonable for a man to become a woman or gets incredibly angry if you were to suggest that that doesn't make any sense like you're the problem mm-hmm. I, I don't know what do you say to people like that you there's nothing you can say i mean you can't even reason right there's not even a point of reasoning because facts no longer matter all that matters is how somebody perceives something yeah, I don't know. This can't end well. Well, that's true. But Trump is in Springfield, Missouri right now, or he was an hour ago, campaigning his way back around the country. Hmm. I think he, I think he's similar to Obama in that way. I mean, Barry was good when he got on the stump and he could rah rah the crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, he needed a script, but he was good at it. He could read a script well. Trump is great at rah rahing the crowd. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he can read a script kinda, but he's better as a blowhard New Yorker, New Yorker, mm-hmm. telling jokes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean. I had like 50 hamburgers today. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's who he is, bravado. That's what he does. And he's So anyway, he's wandering about the country campaigning. He was just in Sioux Falls. Uh, when was that? A week ago. A week ago today, I think. Is that today? I think so. Anyway, it's just... No, two weeks ago. Seventh. But that's what he's good at. I had a uh, politician in recently, and he said something... That you know, there are probably things about how he's handling China that are actually really good with what's going on. And I've heard some other people talk that the reality is, if China does anything to the U.S., we buy so much from them that if we stopped, they die. Mm-hmm. I mean, their economy collapses without the U.S., mm-hmm. and it's likely that the U.S. would flounder pretty decently without China. And so there's this mutual thing, but I think we are, I, I think we have the ability to do things for ourselves that they well, one, are doing. One thing, we have tremendous resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the continental U.S. and China is about the same, but they have three or four times more people, four times more people than we have. They don't have a middle class. Right. They don't have, they don't have so many things. Um, 
we can feed ourselves. Mm-hmm. They can't. We have we produce more oil than anywhere in the world. They don't. I mean, we have we have a lot of things. The other, I mean, people might say, well, they own three or four trillion dollars of of our debt. Um, so if they call it, they can't. But see, that's the thing, <laughs> right? It, you know, that, it's that principle. <laughs> if you owe the bank a thousand dollars, um, you know, they're in control. But right. if you own the bank a hundred million dollars, you're in control. Because right. if you go under, they go under. Right? Because yeah. they, they can't. Yeah, yeah. They, they need your service. So they, if, they don't need the amount. Yeah. Back. Yeah. So if the U.S. decided to default on their debt, mm-hmm. well, China is going to die. But yeah. So, yeah, I guess. It's just, but we don't have the resiliency in the average citizen anymore that they used to in the past, mm-hmm. which is incredibly troubling to me. And, um, I mean, we're so comfortable and incapable of taking care of ourselves. <laughs> well, I, I think as citizens, we have become so used to so soft. seeing. Yeah, and so used to seeing this China everywhere. That we don't realize that everything we're surrounded by just about mm-hmm. parts of it come from there. It's just the nature of it. Mm-hmm. And so if, if that was gone, we would have to wake up. Mm-hmm. But I'm not necessarily convinced that it would be the end of the U.S. It, it would be. It would hurt. It would be. There would be a lot of pain. People would die. It would be a horrible thing. But America on the other side would come out much stronger. Well, that was a question I had to another local politician a few weeks ago. They say that to fix the problems, the government's so big, there's so much like bloat in everything in U.S. government right now that the fix for it is to just stop it. And to do that, you one generation probably suffers really hard. Mm-hmm. But then after that, I do think you get... I mean, it, mm-hmm. it feels like it'd be similar to just torching the field. You got to burn it down. And then what comes after that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But that's mean. We don't want to hurt people. So we, we keep propping this up. It's like if your building's crumbling and you keep shoving more and more pegs underneath it to hold it up. I got more shims. We'll keep shimming it up. At some point, those shims are going to fall apart. And that's how I kind of feel like is what's happening. Well, it is happening. I mean, just consider the transgender. It's two-tenths of one percent mm-hmm. of the population. But if you thought otherwise, you would think that there's 10 or 20% of the population yeah. is transgender. It's a tiny, tiny mm-hmm. percentage. And yet we're making all of these changes for a tiny percentage of mentally ill people. Yeah. Uh, so that's what they're doing. Yeah. And it can't end well. I just think it's going to be interesting in 20 years. Um. The whole transgender thing, it, it's got to pass. It, it can't. It can't keep going the way it is. Well, I think the idea that you can decide what you are with zero repercussion has to pass. And I think that's where the, the real sticking point comes. Because when you walk into the doctor, they have to know what your physical body is mm-hmm. to even know how to remotely consider what could be wrong with you. But in order for that to... Ha- in order for something... To change, there has to be pain. Mm-hmm. It can't continue on. There's going pain has to come. Yeah, and I, it's going to be interesting to see what that catastrophic event is going to be. Is it going to be an 
economic one? Is it going to be, a, you know, some kind of catastrophic war? Mm-hmm. Is there going to be some natural disaster? I don't know, but it's got it. It has to happen. I mean, consider. I mean, society is. Can, I would think you kind of say it's kind of like how uh, volcanoes when pressure is mm-hmm. building and building eventually there's they an eruption and destruction and and then it cools down and you get mm-hmm. back to a, a stasis yeah what was it? uh hillary news <laughs> no <laughs> worse <laughs> this is from huron south dakota actually this article september 15 2018 Hundreds were hospitalized and scores more traumatized for life in the wake of a disastrous hymn rollout this past Sunday. Recklessly acting in a way contrary to all Lutheran sensibilities, Pastor Norman Schroeder inserted a previously unsung hymn, quote, through Jesus' blood and merit into the church service. (laughs) I remember paging to hymn 372 and thinking that it looked unfamiliar, said helpless victim Dolores Hamilton from her hospital bed. (laughs) My heart started pounding in my chest. My vision narrowed. As we started singing, my hands trembled uncontrollably. I felt lightheaded. I didn't even think I made it through the first stanza before I passed out. First responders were overwhelmed by the chaotic scene. Ambulances struggled to make their way through the terrified mob streaming through the church parking lot. Inside the sanctuary, hundreds were incapacitated many still frozen with their hands clutched over their ears in a vain attempt to shut out the unfamiliar tune. The few conscious congregants were in such a weakened state they were unable to assist their more gravely injured Lutherans. Quote, we haven't seen such a tragedy since the Reformed Church tried to introduce a contemporary subversion of the Song of Simon. Lamented local police chief Richard Johnson, Thank goodness there was no loss of life, but we hadn't been, we hadn't tasered. If we hadn't tasered the organist, the death toll would have been truly catastrophic. The investigation is only beginning, but already red warning lights are flashing in the eyes of any common sense Lutheran. Why didn't Pastor Schroeder run his plans through the worship committee? Why wasn't the hymn tuned? The hymn tune introduced as postlude, prelude, or offertory. Why weren't congregants warned? the standard three months in advance that a new hymn was being introduced. Only a fair, impartial investigation and the immediate excommunication of Pastor Schroeder can ensure such a tragedy never occurs again. Uh, my heart goes out uh, The website those dear people. HolyHerald.com HolyHerald.com Truth. Truth here on the David Allen Show. Uh, Something that's actually true, and I want your take on this, and I don't have, I don't think I have an opinion other than I think it's weird that we have come to this point that we have to go back so far in time and apologize. Uh, This from Minnesota Public Radio News. It's actually real. So this September 18, uh, 2018, For 156 years, the Santee Dakota people have waited for what happened in a casino conference room in Santee, Nebraska, a few weeks ago. 
The Mayo Clinic apologized for the desecration of Marpaya Okanajin, Okanajin, known as Cut Nose, who was hanged in 1862 in Mankato, Minnesota, one of 38 Native Americans executed under orders from President Lincoln in the largest mass executions in U.S. history. The Santee tribe was forced from Minnesota. Cut Nose was buried in a shallow grave, but a doctor dug up the body, quote, carted the corpse to his office, dissected it, melted off the flesh, and made a skeleton he studied and allowed his children to play with. The doctor was William Mayo, founder of the Mayo Clinic, where Cut Nose's skull remained on display until it was returned in 1998. Mayo had a practice in Lesueur, Minnesota. Earlier this year, officials at the Mayo Clinic contacted a descendant who was also a Mayo employee and asked if it would be okay to establish a scholarship that would allow one Native American student a year to go to medical school for free. She said it would, but for some unfinished business. An apology. So about two weeks ago, in announcing this scholarship in Nebraska, the Mayo Clinic apologized. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I think that the tribe should apologize to the ancestors of any white settlers they might have killed. Because the white settlers, they didn't know any better. <clears throat> okay. It was 1862. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure what I think about this idea I mean, none of this, none of my thought is to, like, put away any of the horror that may have happened back then. But what does saying, oh, we are sorry, what does it do for anyone? Yeah. Because I just, maybe I'm absolutely naive and just an idiot. But are you telling me that every generation has held on to this grudge? The lady works at the Mayo Clinic. She works there. But where do you stop on this? Well, that's exactly it. Okay, 150 years is fine, but what about 200 or 300 or 400 or 500 or 1,000 years? Mm. I mean, so it's arbitrary. Anyway, it's it's just... It's just the political correct thing. Is this just PR? Is that all it is? It's political PR? Uh, I mean, politically correct PR. Are they kowtowing yeah, to the media? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course they are. I I don't know. I, I'm, I, I tend to lean toward this being ludicrous. Oh, yeah. I mean... To, to, have, he, for, to be expected that now as an institution, the guy is dead. Mm-hmm. The Mayo Clinic is renowned around the world for figuring out how to s- fix people. Mm-hmm. Now, again, who knows what happened? The fact that this, these 38 natives were executed by the U.S. government. Because they killed a, they were, they killed right. a bunch right. of white people. Now, maybe some of those white people were horrific mm-hmm. um, regardless. Right. And, and what, would have, what would have happened if... Uh, if the tape, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to get into it. It's just, it, it's, it's more of the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of the same, and th- you can't reason with the people. I mean, you can't reason about this at all. So, 
uh, if if I had a loved one who was discriminated against by uh, Native Americans, that's okay because um, people of his genetic background oppressed Native Americans, so it's even. So it's all it's all identity politics. Mm-hmm. All that matters is your identity identity how you identify and if you identify with the right group then you're okay if if it's with the wrong group it's not okay it matters nothing about personal character matters nothing about uh, personal responsibility it's all identity that's all it is and so you can't you can't argue with these people there's nothing that you can say that they will listen to yeah I just think it's outrageous that we have, well, is this just leading up to more of a push for actual slave reparations? That that at some point the state governments and then the federal government is going to have to legislate some reparation for slavery. I don't think. Even though, how many. Affirmative action. Well, how many people died? fighting the Civil War, which, at the end of that, slavery was ended. Yeah. Well, a lot. Mm-hmm. On both sides of the... And how it. many but, white people supported the Civil Rights Movement? Yeah. You know. And how many people in the 1700s, 1600s, 1800s uh, opposed slavery and hated it and did everything they could to, to try to get rid of it? You know, none of that matter- matters... Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not logical. You can't. This is all power. This is a power struggle. Can't win. <laughs> yeah. But all, hey, well, go ahead. I mean, all you can do is is try to educate your children the best. Try to raise them up to love people, regardless of their skin color and the rest of it, and to use some kind of logic. That's the only thing that that you can do, and maybe, maybe somebody will have an impact in the future, but I doubt it, um, because, uh, you know, they have control of the media, they have the control of the educational system. That's pretty much everything that the kids. Yeah. So, they're not going to hear alter, alt, uh, alternate viewpoints. On. An upside. There is one. <laughs> in Harrison Township, Ohio, Sharky's Lounge in Harrison Township is losing its liquor license at the end of the day today. The Ohio Liquor Control Commission revoked the Adult Entertainment Club's license, according to the Ohio Investigation Unit, or OIU. Agents with the OIU began investigating 2250 Inc., which is also known as Sharkies, in May of 2017. During the investigation, agents say they were able to buy drugs and lap dances by using what? Um, money? Mm, that wouldn't be illegal. That wouldn't break the law. Uh, what? They, they were able to purchase something. Drugs and lap dances. This is an adult establishment. By using what? Uh, liquor. 
Uh, it's a, they're in a bar. Bitcoin. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, food stamps. During the five-month-long investigation, agents exchanged more than $2,000 worth of food stamps to buy heroin, fentanyl, carfentanyl, cocaine, methamphetamine, and lap dances. Criminal charges were filed against employees and patrons for drug trafficking, food stamp trafficking, aggravated shipment, and distribution of heroin. Will lap dance for food? (laughs) For food stamps. (laughs) Engaging in a pattern of corrupt activity and illegal sexual activity. <laughs> this is the second adult entertainment club that has had its liquor rem- liquor permit revoked as a result of the investigation by the OIU. The other was Har- Harem, which is also located Wait. on North Dixie Drive. Wait. That, that seems like a non... So, they... W- why would remo- revoking their liquor license have anything to do with people le- legally using food stamps? I have no idea. <laughs> that seems... Well, yeah, because well, maybe that's the only way you get people to come in and do the, the adult dancing patroning is by having alcohol. So if you can't have really? alcohol, I no. don't know. I mean, I think... <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't frequented those establishments. Yeah. But if you're going to frequent them, I would think that's not going to be the biggest draw. No, but you might need it in order to to remain, right? Why? So you, I don't know. If you walked, well, because I think deep down most people know that's not the thing you should be doing. Uh, and so, oh, I, I mean, well, I you agree can cover with you. that up with the alcohol. But if now the place can't do that, that's got to be the revenue. I mean, the pimp in the back's making money on the girls, but the revenue is from alcohol. Yeah, but what what would that have to do with food stamps? You can't buy alcohol with food stamps. That's a good question. I don't know. I, maybe, who knows? The Ohio Liquor Control Commission, they have an investigative unit. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's the only thing they had. I mean, couldn't you go after them for just food stamp, uh, what, laundering? Yeah, and then... Rather than remove the liquor, just shut down the business if well, that's the yeah, case. Well, yeah, I mean, and then who's the kingpin? Who's the <laughs> who's yeah. the mob boss it's here? It's 2250 Incorporated. Okay, so then that person should go to prison, right? Because he's selling drugs for food stamps? In theory. So what... Huh. That's an... Yeah. They don't say anything more? Oh. Uh, let's see if this article's different. No, it's the same. Uh, hold on. Yeah, the same article. Nothing new. This from ABC6, abcsonyourside.com, local ABC News affiliate here in Ohio. I think Ohio. Maybe. Huh. Weird. Yeah, I did just that. that's on the, uh, the front of the Drudge Report today, tonight. Hmm. The headline on Drudge, New York Times, this is from the uh, the uh, R- WRAL.com. WRAL, where Washington, oh, that's WMAL, where Washington comes to talk. Rosenstein, you know Rosenstein. Yeah. Was he the second, uh, Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, suggested last year that he secretly Record President Donald Trump in the White House to expose the chaos consuming the administration. And he discussed recruiting cabinet members to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office. 
for being unfit. So the the second the dude the dude right under old sessions is conspiring to remove the prez. We have a bigger problem. Wow. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, nobody's concerned about consistency or truth. I mean, why why couldn't that apply to Bill Clinton? He had the right letter in front of his name. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which means it's all political. <laughs> all right, this will this will cheer you right up. No. A or maybe it will. Fifth row seat at Barclays Center goes for twelve hundred fifty six dollars. Where's Barclays? A seat in the front row with a meet and greet package thrown in as a perk will cost you up to three grand. Wheelchair seating in the back of the house is listed at four hundred dollars, while a spot in the upper tiers could be had for twenty nine dollars and fifty cents. And where's this? The latest mega production from U two or Beyonce? No. This is the price of admission to see Michelle Obama on tour for Becoming, the former First Lady's memoir, which is scheduled to be published November 13th. Talk about riding a wave. Man, these people are raking in the dough. Who would... Wow. Wow. I think it's funny the word of this so fun. A seat in the front row with a meet and greet package just thrown in is three grand. Hey, hey, hey three thousand dollars. Hey, we're gonna throw in your meet and greet. You can you can shake your hand. Is this like um like the center at the Georgetown? Uh, Bar- Bar- Barclays Center. Is that? Uh, is this? Uh, Where's the Barclays Center? I don't know. We're gonna find out. We're gonna ask the Google. Barclays Center. Um, hello. Hello, Brooklyn. No, this is where the, yeah. New York. Hmm. This is where the New York Islanders play. New York. It's where the Brooklyn Nets play. And the New York, the New York Knickerbockers? Do they have the same? They used to. Used to be in Mad. Is this Madison Square Gardens? Is this the new? No, Madison Madison Square Garden is still, still there. Okay, this is the yeah. this is Jay Z's club. Doesn't he own uh, the Nets? I, Come on I, now, you're not into the the National yeah. Basketball <laughs> Association either, or football or hockey. Yeah, baseball. We're gonna ask the interweb who owns the Nets or soccer. The Brooklyn Nets. Oh, I pushed the wrong or button. Rugby. There we go. Uh, what? Wait a second. But I like golf. Ali, oh man, Ali Baba's co-founder. Ali Baba is the, uh, is it the eBay of India, or sorry, of, of the Arabian? Is that the wrong word? <laughs> Arabian. That's the wrong word. <laughs> Arabian. Arabian countries. Uh, is buying a 49% stake in the Brooklyn Nets. They used to be the New Jersey Nets way back, the professional basketball team. Uh, Alibaba co-founder Joseph Tsai has reached an agreement in principle to purchase the high minority stake in the Brooklyn Nets. Russian billionaire Mikhail Prokhorov, 
will remain the principal owner of the NBA team. Mm. This was in 2017. Wow. Um... That's nuts. Uh, I guess Jay-Z. Magnate himself. Held one-fifteenth of one percent of the neck, the Nets a few years ago. So he threw it. I'll throw a million dollar. million dollars to you. Is that Fuck. what? I think that uh, investing a reported one million dollars in the team. That's nothing. I mean, what do you get out of that other than a front row seat? Basically, yeah, yeah, prestige. Oh yeah, I'm an owner now. No, you got to bow down to the Russian. <laughs> but don't worry, we got your, we, we got your basketball, we got your professional athletics, you Americans. Don't think about the government. Don't think about us. We just need you to go down or go home, get down from work, and go watch your basketball. And we'll probably give you some beer to drink at the same time. You know how much Jay-Z is worth? Um, let me guess. $500 million. Oh, uh, no. Oh, um, am I high? 900? Not no. nearly a billion. Nearly a billion. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, did you see old Elon Musk? On? On Joe Rogan? On Joe Rogan, yeah. Did I, you, I heard about it, I didn't chance? watch it. Oh, I, I did, it's kind of weird. The guy's a robot. I've heard... I mean, I read, yeah, anyways. And, and he, he kind of claims he's a robot. But the way he's like just stares at the floor and talks about, yeah, AI, they're going to get us. The machines are going to take over. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to tell people that. But they didn't know, no one wants to listen. Yeah, the, th- the interesting <laughs> thing about I AI think he's a robot. is um, they say... They have a materialistic worldview when it comes to AI, a lot of the scientists. And what I mean by that is that they believe that consciousness can arise spontaneously because we're conscious and we came uh, from nothing and evolved to this. So they don't think that there's any necessarily qualitative difference between a an animal that is not conscious or not not as uh, self-aware as we are so they th- they think that if you create the correct algorithm you know all of a sudden out of nowhere you're going to have this machine that will be self-aware and whatnot <clears throat> but there are tons of I mean, first of all, if you're a materialist, meaning you don't believe that anything transcends our reality, you have to come to that conclusion. But if you actually believe that God exists and that there's something special about man compared to every single other animal, you should hear what they say about AI and think, well, this isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. At least not the way. Now there might be an algorithm. They can it can help you do things, but mm-hmm. like Google, it's really good. You type in a couple letters, and it already kind of knows what you're going to and list mm-hmm. things. I mean, it's very good at it. But 
you know, try to try to have Google tell you a joke that's original. <laughs> you know, it's not going to it because it can't. Right. I and th- this is all being perpetuated with television. Yeah. This whole concept to get people thinking that way too. Yeah. Uh, I subscribe to Netflix because everyone in the world apparently does. Well, I periodically get- Not me. And that makes me better than you. Oh, it does. Weird. (laughs) So whose account do you use? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They send periodic emails out. Hey, this new show got added, blah, blah, blah. So there's a pile of things on here. One of them that showed up today- is a show called Maniac. I've never heard of it in my life. So the synopsis here, the little brief thing. Uh, Two struggling strangers connect during a mind-bending pharmaceutical trial involving a doctor with mother issues and an emotionally complex computer. (laughs) Mm. So speaking of AI with emotions, they're building it into these TV shows, so then we start thinking, and Apple's release of their new stuff last week. I mean, the whole point is, well, it's going to be better. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to learn what you do. There's a new app. Uh, it's called, let me open it up here. It's called Shortcuts. And Shortcuts is basically a way you can automate several different tasks on your phone. Mm-hmm. And you can say, so you could tell this computer device, say, hey, start my Monday morning routine. You could program that in. And what it does is it turns on your coffee maker that's connected to the web. It brings your lights up to a nice neutral warm color. And then it turns on your Sonos speakers in the other room. And it gives you, I don't know, children of the night or whatever song. Mm -hmm. And that's what you do every day. And then, oh, you come home for lunch. Give me my lunchtime. And it does all this stuff. Well... It will start doing things on your own, on its own, thinking that, uh, like, it, it will learn. So as you tell it to do things, it will then begin to compile them. So every Monday you say this. And so, oh, here's your Monday routine. Is this what you want us to set up? So it kind of builds, it learns from you. And they touted this as, a, whoa, mind-blowing. This is like... Going forward, this is the next thing. So what's the difference between that and a dog? Every time, with our dog, (laughs) every time we leave somewhere... You take your dog in your pocket. Do it. What's that? You carry your dog in your pocket. No, 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 I'm talking about its its (laughs) learning capability. I know. (laughs) But, okay, yeah, it's learning. It's learning (laughs) your routine. Um, But... Does it know what to do? Um, uh, say uh, if if you were to say to it, um, "Oh, I I um, uh, I'm trying to think of something way outside the box of something." What that is it the would meaning of do. life? Or nothing. Um, my uh, my son is struggling in uh in school um there's a bully what should we do with him um nothing talk nice to the bully yeah but it learns but it in order for for it to be uh artificial intelligence it has to be able to come up with something new and it has to be able to be three-dimensional 
not one dimensional. The thing that they are trying to sell is like Siri now on the Apple platform. Mm -hmm. And I assume that Google, Helper, Cortana, Microsoft, whoever, is similar. So they're trying to make it so if I say, hey, whichever device, um, call Aunt Susie. Mm -hmm. And then um, it, they're making it to where I could then say after the call, uh, set up a time to meet her next Tuesday at four. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to know that I'm still talking about the same person rather than he having to keep saying, make an appointment for Aunt Susie next Friday. And then I'm going to have lunch with Aunt Susie. Make a note to call Aunt, you know, I don't, I, I can just say, um, remind me to call her. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm, I'm going to like, remind me to call her when I leave. Mm -hmm. And so it's supposed to then go, oh, where he leaves. So location services will find out where you're at. Set that up, so then put a little geofence around it when you walk outside of that line. Then we're going to remind you to call her. Well, that's just a program. But they're trying to to sell this, I think, as it's learning from you. Well, I'm sure it is learning in the sense it's compiling data. Well, yeah, but I, I don't think it, it can't create new data. No. Right? No. Because that would be an, a, an AI. Yeah, and it can't say to itself, self, no, don't do this. I'm not going to do it. Even though I was told to do it, I'm not going to do it. I'm mm -hmm. going to do my own thing. You know, at that point, you got real consciousness so, that makes its own decision. All it can do is mm -hmm. what, the, what the algorithms tell right. it to so you do. Have to, you have to program in the scenarios in theory. Yeah, you and have the results to you want. Every single scenario that it's comes up. It's self-driving car concept. Yes. You have to program every option. If it's five feet... You do this. If it's six feet, you do. If yes. it's four and a half feet, you run over the woman. If it's ten feet, you avoid the dog. If it's, I mean, there's got to be everything, doesn't it? Yeah. And to your point, you can't tell the, you can't ask the car what is the meaning of life, and it'll be able to tell you. <laughs> or what do you think about the 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 um the atmosphere of the political atmosphere nowadays? I mean, and have it come up with with an independent and authentic thought. Yeah, the only thing it could do is if, if you had programmed it to be scouring the web for certain keywords. Yeah. Because it's obviously not going to be able to read a coherent thought yeah, and on it its doesn't, own and it doesn't understand. Have, it doesn't have an opinion. Yeah. But it does too, for crying out loud. Ask old stinking Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Ask Tim Cook. But see, That's what they're selling. They're selling it, but... It's based upon it's based upon an evolutionary materialist materialistic viewpoint. Correct. Yep. You've heard of Alex Jones. Alex Jones. <laughs> this from Russia today. Nine one one was an inside job. <laughs> you mean the the emergency phone service? <laughs> hey. Uh, Infowars says that PayPal has terminated their agreement with it for promoting hate. So now they can no longer be paid via PayPal. Alex Jones. Yeah. Right. Alex Jones, the word is, is a, he runs a hundred, a minimum hundred million dollars a year industry, if not multiple times that. How many people, how, I, if you just listen to Alex Jones for a little while, the the majority of the money, is it coming from people like 
in the, you know how it is in the checkout when you're walking through and you're like, hey, I've always uh, wanted to have one of those laser pointers. You know, it's $3, <laughs> you know, and you just buy it. I mean, I would think that the majority of the money that goes to Alex Jones, people who buy the DVDs and, and are subscribing to something, not just kind of walk through, just kind of no, spend it, it, money. No, it's specific. If you go to Infowars.com... But my point, they they have a store. Yeah, but my point is, how much is that really going to? They'll they'll figure out a different way of paying for stuff. They will. I I think the the principle behind it all is that now this this uh, payment company, yeah, who's yeah. Ma- they're making a boatload of money on him because of the fees they take. Uh huh. I'm assuming there's fees involved. There must be. Yeah. Every other card service there is. They're making money on every transaction. Uh-huh. For them to say, well, you talked mean about Muslims and you talked mean about transgender people. So we are now no longer going to allow you to use our service. But, I mean, he's just one little piece of the puzzle. Well, of course. I, I think the point is it's this whole snowball effect of shutting down yes. talk yes. that the, Trying to. the liberal elite doesn't want to hear. Whether it's true or not is beside the point. They're creating a ghetto. Yes. But if you go it's to a, the... It's yeah. a pogrom mm-hmm. of of uh, of politically incorrect people and ideas. They're trying to build a wall around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here's a weekly deal. A weekly deal. Bio-true selenium. Never synthetic. InfoWars Live BioTrue Selenium is extracted from 100% certified organic mustard seed, functions as a powerful antioxidant, and supports a healthy thyroid and immune system. Right now, this week, it's normally $24.95. We've got it on sale for $14.97. 40% off. It's a one time delivery. If you want to auto ship, you get an additional. 10% subscription discount, $13.47. Auto ship every 30 days. Get your Bio True Selenium. It supports the immune system, dietary supplements, 60 capsules in a box. It's good for two months, or you take two a day, it's one month. 40% off today, and we still have the PayPal button up on our website because we're not taking it down. It's great PR. Wow. They have a two-pack, five-pack, and a ten-pack. It's a powerful antioxidant. Healthy thyroid support supports cardiovascular health. Food source formula as opposed to what? What else would it be? (laughs) Food sourced. Unlike many selenium formulas out there, InfoWars Live Bio's True Selenium is never synthetic. Never. It's a whole food form of selenium extracted from 100% certified Organic mustard seed. Each high-potency capsule delivers 200 mcg of highly bioavailable, organically sourced selenium. <laughs> Who writes this stuff? <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Oh, here it is. Selenium concentrations decline with age. Use them up. If it gets old, you got to buy a new one. <laughs> but we got it on sale this week. Fourteen ninety seven. Oh, I'm going to hurt my voice here in a minute. That's actually kind of fun. I should be his. Should be <laughs> we got Grave Digger here. <laughs> Survival Shield. 
Survival Shield Nation Iodine. I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say. Iodine. That's it. <laughs> Leading the way into the next generation of super high quality Nation Iodine, the new Infowars Life Survival Shield X2 is now here. Normally thirty nine ninety five, we have it on sale today, twenty nine ninety five. <laughs> and if you want to auto ship every sixty days, twenty six ninety six with a ten percent subscription discount. Infowars.com, everybody. So this guy can no longer collect money through PayPal, and yet PayPal button is still on the website. When uh, when did they declare that? Um, where did I see that? Uh, to, uh, the story today, actually September twenty one. Uh, publishing time. This was on Russia Today, RT.com, so it's potentially true. Uh, no, it, it should be there. Alex apparently said uh, that... <clears throat> Let's see what it say. They, they said the service offered no specific examples of their hate. But Infowars says the two examples that were given off the record were their criticism of Islam and opposition of transgenderism being taught in schools, which fits right in the line of yeah. the uber-left. Yeah. <clears throat> PayPal's definition of hate, quote, is so vague that virtually anything could qualify. Yeah. And I'm sure that's deliberate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it's a good thing we don't have sponsors or we don't have anyone paying our way. <laughs> or anybody listening. <laughs> Um, the David Allen Show, <laughs> sponsored by Windy Prairie Coffee. <laughs> yeah. And hopes and dreams <laughs> of two crazy guys sitting in a dark room talking to you. <laughs> or to each other. <laughs> I think that's more accurate. Right. <laughs> Holy cow. But I wonder, you know, how long it's going to be before Visa and MasterCard does that. Oh, that's a big deal, though. What do you do there? I mean, at that point... Is that just literally cutting someone off? Yeah. Because what, what's next? A mm -hmm. check. But then the check, the bank's going to go, well, we don't want any part of that company, so we're not. you can't have a bank account. Mm -hmm. Just like some of the banks that won't let some firearm manufacturers yep. be in their bank anymore. Yeah. So it, oh man. So I he, mean, here's the radical out of their thought, is we start going down this road, shut down PayPal, then if Visa, MasterCard jump on, on the bandwagon, that is our money, because cash no longer matters. Yep. Get your gold and your heirloom seeds. <laughs> What's left? Um, you know, uh, Revelation chapter oh, 12. Oh, there you go. You know. Now, is, is this, I mean, aside from the biblical piece of it, is this the free market at work? I mean, is, no. is this? No, it's not the free market okay. at work. At, at, absolutely at all. They're because, not doing because, anything because illegal. Because there's a customer. Yeah, there's a customer, okay. and they're not doing anything illegal. So the middleman... The bank, essentially, mm -hmm. is thumbing their nose, yeah. giving the bird to the customer. And it's not the rank-and-file person at PayPal. It's some egghead who went to Georgetown Prep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the Jesuits want to shut down <laughs> Alex Jones. There you go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... It's it's some egghead at at the top mm. who live in their own little echo chamber mm -hmm. and go to certain parties with the same like-minded people thinking. Yeah, um, that's all it is. And at a certain point, you would think, but you know, I, I'm not 
I'm not super uber optimistic. Um, just because there isn't... If people can swallow stuff like uh, the transgenderism... Yeah. If they can... If they can swallow things that don't make any sense mm-hmm. and have this, um, uh, what do they call it, uh, where you have two opposing thoughts in your mind at the same time, um, it's like a disjunction. Um, if kids grow up that way and think that way and they're taught that. And cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. If that is how they live their lives I, I mean yeah. I don't I don't know how you how you break through that yeah. the only way that you could break through that is through pain some kind of economic pain something taken away mm. but if the government can keep keep the uh, the train on the rails indefinitely you're going to have you're going to have fewer and fewer people that are going to be able to think for themselves or willing to think or want to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, we don't even, we have no clue on what all the technology, the impact is is going to have, what the long-term repercussions are of having this technology, mm-hmm. smartphones, this constant um availability of anything that will yeah. release endorphins in your brain yeah. we have no clue in new york fans seeing the post rock band we make noise sounds last night weren't entirely sure whether the group had started playing or if the discordant guitar notes to coming from the amplifiers were simply a sound check Multiple confused sources confirmed. I didn't want to look like a poser and start cheering out of nowhere, so I just did what I th- kind of what I kind of always do at these shows. I slightly nod my head and nurse a beer. <laughs> said fan Sheila Warren. The long, drawn-out, distorted guitar chord could have been a social commentary on consumerism or them warming up. There was no way of telling. Some fans gently swayed to the sounds, while others mingled quietly in the back sharing recipes and anarchist literature. (laughs) Whether or not they started playing doesn't actually matter. It's about the community gathered here tonight, said post-rock aficionado Lars Jacobson. I once watched a four-hour set of what I thought was Mogwai, but was in actuality a microphone someone accidentally left on too close to a monitor that just kept feeding back and the crowd loved it. (laughs) It's from the hardtimes.net. Again, truth in news from here, here on the David Allen Show. Now, Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut is set to release this from Plano, Texas, September 20, 2018. Uh, Pizza Hut president Artie Stars <laughs> announced this morning via a conference call with shareholders that the restaurant chain will release a new limited run of 7-inch pizzas for record collectors starting next month. <laughs> Pizza Hut grew in lockstep with the punk music, Star explained. Punk doesn't exist without skating. Skating doesn't exist without za. So it's just the natural next step to put a personal pan pizza in a record sleeve <laughs> and deliver it piping hot to people's homes. 
A spokesperson for the brand claimed the move will capitalize on consumers' growing sense of nostalgia. <laughs> oh, man. People who come up with this stuff crack me up. This is the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com, on the interweb, davidallenshow at gmail.com, or on the Google Play Store, in the Apple Podcast Universe. Any last thoughts? No. <laughs> Head top headline right now. Cornell students. Oh, sorry. Cornell tells students if they are privileged or oppressed. The orientation packet stirs controversy. Student ambassadors at Cornell University were given an orientation packet ahead of welcoming the incoming freshman class. The packet contains a sheet of categories labeling the certain groups as having privilege or being oppressed. Campus Reform obtained a copy of the document from a concerned student who felt the content was inappropriate. The sheet outlines social issues and designates certain demographics as privileged or oppressed in a, quote, U.S. context. The 15 categories range from gender identity to marital parental status, education level, and use of English. Over the course of three weeks, campus reform gave Cornell University multiple opportunities to confirm or deny the packet was distributed. University spokesman John Carberry eventually responded to campus reform on Wednesday, but did not deny the student's account, saying that Cornell will not be participating or commenting on the issue. According to the document, if you speak accented English, you are marginalized or oppressed compared to proper English speakers who are privileged. If, you are, if your parents are married or in a heterosexual relationship, you are privileged while divorced, LGBTQ parent, domestic partnership, and single parent individuals are oppressed. Hmm. Cornell is an elite... Is that an Ivy League school? Yep. <clears throat> yep. If you are temporarily able-bodied, you must have privilege, according to the sheet, as people with a physical, mental, emotional, or learning disability are oppressed. The document also lists age as a category, ranking those in their 30s to early 50s privileged compared to younger and older demographics. Altogether, if an incoming female Cornell student is a racial minority, has an accent, is in their late teens or early 20s, and was raised by a single parent, they are marginalized or oppressed in at least five ways despite their background, socioeconomic status, or life experiences. So you can go from privileged to oppressed, back to privilege, then back to oppressed. Man, I want to see this privilege. on a flowchart. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. got to look like a crazy mess of lines. Oh. That—that's what I'm. T the, yeah, everything's relative. Nothing. 
Yeah. I. You can't live this way. Yeah. You I, can't build a society this way. I would love to know because I we we actually have, um, I have a friend who just you started. You do at Cornell. good for you. Just started at Cornell this year. Oh really? Yeah. As a student? Yeah. He went to Alabama for one year. Huh. So he wouldn't be coming in as a freshman. So maybe... I think just going to Alabama makes you oppressed. <laughs> I think. <laughs> so that's how he got in. <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> yeah, the, the line here, the, the way it looks... I'll put it up on the screen so you can see it. As whale... This thing right here, this picture, uh, gender, men. Let's see if we can zoom this in here. Oh, come on, Chrome. All right. Groups that experience privilege in a U.S. context, men. They're in the, they're in the privileged. Uh, in the oppressed in a U.S. context are women, transgender equals, I believe is what that says. And intersex, gender identity. If you are cisgender or non-trans, <laughs> you are privileged. No, I was looking down further. <laughs> Uh-oh. Size and appearance. What? So if you're good looking, you're privileged. Slender. If you're a filthy pig, <laughs> you're oppressed. <laughs> so if all you do is sit home and eat hot dogs and Twinkies, you're oppressed. Boy, that should give you a leg up then. Ooh, yeah. Right? Okay. Okay, I'm I'm so, good. So isn't this a benefit now? So, so if I don't use proper English and it's accented, that means too. Well, I'm 450 pounds. Okay, ethnicity, culture. Western European are privileged. Puerto Rican. Well, oh, di- dine. What well, I got a question Mexican, here. Nigerian. I got a question here. Now, do they cancel each other out? So if I'm a man and I'm cisgender, but I'm 450 pounds. Ooh, that's a great. Yeah, where does that break down? I graduated from third grade. I'm a pagan. And uh, my uncle daddy raised me. So are you just bouncing? <laughs> it's like a ping pong ball. <laughs> yeah. So what is it? Which which day do you get to be oppressed, and which day do you get to be privileged? Well, it, it, it depends. It depends. I think they cancel out. The way it's looking right now, I'm like three ahead. I'm I'm a, I'm three times oppressed. Well, this more fa- than this is privileged. The, the, under this culture, ethnicity, Jewish is under the oppressed cattle category. Huh. In the U.S. context, really? are Jewish people oppressed? Because they have all the money. <laughs> and there's they run a, Hollywood. There's a stereotype for you. <laughs> well, they're not slender or attractive. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, that's oh, horrible. That is horrible. I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. Uh, With enough plastic surgery, anybody <laughs> look... <laughs> <laughs> Get out of the hole. Stop digging. <laughs> so middle class and working uh working poor. Now that's oh okay, wait a minute. Oh, mm, class. Middle class or owning class? What's that? Oh, own a house. 
Oh, own a house. Yeah. That's what that's considered. Yeah. Owning class is owning a house. Yeah. Mm. Then you're working poor or you're working class. What is the difference? Well, uh, working poor, working class. Poor, you're in poverty, but you're working. Working, working class is you're not making middle it probably, class? Probably low middle class. Okay. Well, look at the bottom. Marital parental status. Yeah. Married in a heterosexual relationship with or without children. Privileged. Okay. Now, oppressed, you have divorced. Mm-hmm. So what if you've been divorced like four times, but you're currently married? <laughs> you're no longer oppressed. Or maybe you are oppressed by all those exes. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and if you're single, you're Ooh. oppressed? Yeah. Wow. If you, so if you, every four-year-old that I know of <laughs> is oppressed. That's let's, not well, right. Let's, let's just think about this for a minute. Every kid going into that school is now oppressed because yeah. they're single. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. And they don't use proper English. Um, <laughs> see what else we got this here. This is Cornell. <laughs> yeah. The funny part is all I think about when I think of Cornell is Andy from the office. Oh. Andy Bernard. <laughs> or, well, I think of Ann Coulter. Oh, she's a Cornell grad? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah. If you are temporarily able-bodied, you must have privilege, according to the sheet, as people with a physical, mental, emotional, or learning disability are oppressed. But that's everybody at some point in your in your <laughs> life. You're going to end that way unless you die early, you know? <clears throat> That's just... If this, again, if this is true, we are doomed. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the bastions of education here. One of the bastions. The bastions of education in the United States of America. Don't forget your selenium and your iodine. Okay. <coughs> I'm going to hurt myself. <laughs> Thank you, Alex Jones. This is the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com. David, thanks for coming in again, being here live. Yes. And, uh, next week, we should be able to do it again, yep. yeah? Yep. Because you're going to be in the area for more than a half an hour. Yes. That's awesome. For like a week. Oh, plus. man. There's a winner. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> so we did our sports news. We got that out of the way. We talked about Trump. No, we didn't. We talked about Kevin Aug. We talked about Trump. A little bit. Peripheral. <clears throat> now it's Jones. <laughs> <coughs> You're going to have a polyp on your... <laughs> I know. Uh, voice fires. Uh, oh, the news out right now. Senator Susan Collins, the one we just talked about from Maine, is appalled that Donald Trump might even remotely question the validity of of this lady's accusations against Kavanaugh. Hmm. So, you know what that means? Yeah, he's not Her gonna... vote's out the window. Yeah. But Which... gutless wonders. And oh well. there you have it. Oh well. Yep. Well, do you have any closing uh, words of wisdom that we should leave the listeners with? Those that have stayed through to the end, we thank you. Well, my um, my nephew 
had a joke for me. Oh. Yeah. Uh, what's black and white and red all over? <laughs> what? A kitten in a blender? <laughs> I told him I thought it was a nun in a blender, but... Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing left to say, everyone. <laughs> Have a wonderful day. Thanks for sticking with us and tuning in. DavidAllenShow.com. See ya.